Welcome to the Stockman Grass Farmer Podcast, where our mission is to help create a healthy planet and people through profitable grass-based livestock production. Grass farming is a 24-7 job and you can't always get away, so we've put together this podcast so that you can listen while you work or whatever you're doing, but always on your schedule, whenever and wherever you want. Be sure to check out the episode notes for links to freebies and special offers. Join our email family and stay up to date on our happenings and like us on social media. This is part one from the Grazers Marketing School. Jill Salatin discusses the cornerstones of direct marketing and explores the five keys that every grazer should consider. In this segment, he discusses the role of diversity and complementary people. Why farmers should direct market. I'm gonna zip through this very quickly because I think you all have already drunk the Kool-Aid and you know, you know why we need to direct market, but sometimes it's good to just encapsulate it so we know where we are. And by the way, let me tell you, we are very open to questions. Uh, this is not just lecture style. Uh, we will have some interactive stuff. I've actually got some, some new stuff for us to, to play with, some new ideas. And um, so there will be some interactive, so please, please uh, don't be reluctant or shy about uh, jumping in. But one of the main reasons to direct market, in my opinion, is for overall business stability. In general, a quarter of the retail dollar comes from each of four components. They're listed here for you, production, processing, marketing, and distribution. The problem is, most farms get all their income from one of these. Which one? Production. Production. Okay. And only one of these is subject to the vagaries of, of, um, of nature that makes every farmer feel like farming is different than any other business. Because we have, as Alan Nation used to call, the four horsemen of the apocalypse you know, weather, price, pestilence, and disease. It's what every farmer leans on the side of their pickup truck and whines about every day, right? Which one of those four is most subject to those vagaries? Production, Production. right. When the locusts come, they don't eat the tires of the delivery vehicle. When the drought comes, it doesn't, it doesn't stop the, the, the internet access from working, right? Uh, when the... When the rain comes and, and you get way too much rain, it doesn't, you know, destroy the stainless steel in the processing. So, for no more reason than to create stability, stable income streams, here's the thing. The more dollars we load into non-production, okay, the more dollars we pull away from that the vagaries of weather and price and pestilence and disease, and those become more stable, more stable income dollars. That's one huge reason. As we know, you know, we, we hear the middleman makes all the money, and these processing, marketing, distribution, that's the middleman hat, right? Well, if that's where the money is, I want to be one, okay? I want to be one. And so rather than whining about that middleman that makes all the money, why don't we just join him 
and, uh, and, and enjoy the largesse, okay? So th there's, a, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of reasons here. Um, uh, number two, it's, it's historically normal. I mean, the, uh, direct marketing, the idea of actually purchasing from, you know, within a local com commerce, you know, was the backbone bone of, of uh, secure food systems for many, many years. Um, it attracts the best and brightest, all these other things. When you start, as soon as you start talking about um, uh, messaging and, um, as Jenny was saying, you know, sound biting and how do we compress complex ideas into simple little slogans, you know, that kind of stuff, man, um, I'm not saying that, it's, it, that it doesn't require a lot of uh, whatever genius and imagination to know where to, where to place the cross fence for the cows. But, but it is a different set of, it's a different set of challenge, isn't it? It's a different set of imagination, creativity. It's a different skill set. And so I'm really big on trying to attract smarter people into farming. I don't know how much gentler to say it, but uh, uh, we've actually had rural brain drain for a long time, right? You know, as the, as the society has condescended toward rural, toward, toward uh, uh, agriculture. And basically, you know, if you're an A or B student, you're supposed to go, you know, become a lawyer, an attorney, work in IT, you know, sit in front of a Dilbert cubicle and, um, and, and press numbers into cyberspace for your career. And that's supposed to be, you know, this wonderful thing. And if you're a, if you're a C minus or less student, then, all right, well, then maybe agriculture is a path for you. And, and, and what I want to bring, I, I want to see us create... Um, uh, uh, cerebral, imaginative pathways where our best and brightest come, come back to the farm and, 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 and be affirmed in it and be encouraged in it. That's, that's, that's a, I think that's a noble goal. Um, another reason direct market is that your clientele is portable. Many of us are working on leased farms, barred farms, uh, shared farms, and, and uh, our clientele, as long as you don't move 200 miles away, our clientele is portable. They, they, they can move with us. So it gives us, it gives us some wiggle room and flexibility to, um, to lease places, to create collaborative things, because um, uh, clientele's uh, portable. Um, by, by direct marketing, you get, a, you get your own built-in support group. You know, farming... Farming is a lonely occupation, right? You're out there in the field moving the cows, moving the chickens, running that tractor, making hay, whatever. All Farming's a very lonely, lonely thing uh, compared to other vocations, you know, where at least even in a small office, you know, you got the, you got the, yeah, you got people, you got the little, you know, little, sometimes a soap opera, right? Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's Peyton Place. Um, but, 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 it, but at least there, there's community. There, there's people, there's, you know, uh, there's things. I mean, our, our daughter works in a very uh, small office. She's the agritourism director for, a, for a, a seven county area. It's a fairly small office. And it's just amazing how fast, oh, you know, we went down and saw a movie with, you know, so-and-so at work. I mean, I mean, work is becoming now kind of a, uh, a, a catch-all for everything. It, it's, it's becoming life fulfillment. We'll talk about that more um, as we go. But anyway, your customers, when they come and they, um, I can remember, you know, our kids growing up and, and the customers would come and, 
and, and, and, and tweak their cheek, you know, and say, oh, we, our family just depends on you so much. We, we, would, we would not be able to be healthy if we didn't get your food. Thank you for doing this. You know what that does for a kid, you know, for the farmer, all right? To have that kind of emotional support, it's like having, you know, it's having uh, AAA for, uh, or a, whatever, um, AA, AAA, whatever. Uh, it, it, you, got, you got it, whatever it is, all right? But, but, but you got your support group, okay? And, 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 a, and a vocation that's inherently lonely, direct marketing is really good. And especially if you're a Stockman grass farmer reader, it's even more lonely because even your farm neighbors think you're crazy. Right? I mean, our farm neighbors still call us typhoid Mary and, uh, um, you know, bioterrorists, you know, because we have unvaccinated chickens that run around in the fields and they're going to commiserate with the red-winged blackbirds and take our diseases. I mean, they got to be diseased because they're not vaccinated, right? And, and they're going to take that to, you know, their Tyson chicken houses. And they're going to lose their farm and every child in Bangladesh is going to starve to death because we let our chickens you know, commiserate with red-winged blackbirds and didn't vaccinate them. I mean, I mean, this is this is the thing. And so, and so, when we're when we're outside that orthodoxy, um, it, it's even more lonely. And, and so, our, our customers become people say, you know, who's encouraging us? It's our customers. Our customers are our they're our support group. They're the ones that, uh, you know. And over the years, we've had you know we've had tough years. Uh, you stay in it long enough, you will have a tough year. We've had people come in and just you know. Stuff a, stuff a bill in my pocket, say, yeah, I, I, I know you've had a tough time, uh, just, just take this. And, and they leave and you open it up and it's a $100 bill, okay? I mean, we had a, um, uh, we had a, a, a customer once, he came and, and it was fairly early on there, and um, he said, look, you, you, you've written a book now, you, 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 sh you, you need to have a higher, um, higher profile of success. Uh, this, driving this $500 car, it just, you know, it's just no good. Uh, you, need, you need a better car. He said, I'm getting ready to trade mine, and um, I'm either going to give it to you or the Salvation Army. And uh, Teresa said, well, bring it down. We didn't even ask him what it was. Um, and so the next time he came down to pick up chickens, you know, he drove down and, and uh, he said, car's out front. You want to take it around? And so we went around front, and it was a Lincoln Town car. And we drove it around the block. We parked it back in the front. And Teresa said, went around to Clinton. Uh, his name was Clinton Miller. Uh, and she said, uh, where do I sign? <laughs> and uh, we bought that car from him for a dollar and drove it for two years. And man, I mean, that thing had a trunk the size of a pickup truck. I mean, you know, it, it was, a, but anyway, that's emotional support. Okay, that's good. Um, and then uh, another one of, you know, a thing that I've really come to believe is that you really don't have a viable business until you generate two salaries in the business, okay? That's a kind of a hard saying, but, um, but if, you, if you know the cycles of life, uh, you know that as you age, your energy wanes, your creativity wanes, and... Um, and you, did, you just don't have the get up and go. Uh, mentally, mentally I'm 20. But when I get up in the morning, I don't feel 20. You know, if it ain't hurting, it ain't working. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a different thing. And so, and so all really successful, especially legacy businesses, don't just have one person at the helm. And in farming, I mean, what do you do if you're sick? What happens if you break a leg? What happens if, 
you know, uh, two, two people are a big deal. So I really believe that if we want a viable farm business, we have to set our sights and have a vision, a trajectory out there that we're going to get to two salaries as fast as we can get there. Because a one salary business is a very vulnerable, fragile business. Okay? And marketing, jumping into that, to all that, you know, processing and marketing and distribution, what that does is that it increases the pie big enough so that there is a place to assimilate a second person. All right? That's a big deal. Now, there are reasons why farmers don't want to market, okay? It's hard work, <laughs> you know? It, it, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it requires creativity. It, it involves people, and most of us farmers, we're farmers because we don't like people. So, <laughs> so realize, over these two days, as we do this whole marketing thing, remember... We're here to talk about marketing. Some of you sitting here, the idea, and when Sherry gets up here, you'll be blown away. I mean, Sherry um, um, thrives on making a cold call to a chef. Now, I'd rather you pull out my toenails, okay? I don't like... I, I like to go places where kind of, uh, where people are already kind of in it, you know, and want you to come. Um, I don't like to nose my, whatever, nose into a trough where I'm not really welcome. Um, so that's, that's different in, in, in temperaments, okay, different personalities. So as we talk about this marketing, the thing I want you to understand is, you are here because you realize that marketing is important for your business. You might not be the salesperson. There's a big difference between marketing and sales. Okay? And so marketing is the strategy. Sales are the execution. All right? Sales grow out of a marketing strategy. All right? And so, and so you don't have to be the one knocking on doors. For some of you, when I talk about knocking on doors, you get cold chills and, 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 and uh, want to run out that back door, okay? I get that. Totally get that, all right? But, and we, we are going to talk a lot about sales, but we're, but we're mainly focused on, on, on marketing as a strategy, and anyone can do that. Extroverts, introverts, people who don't like to make cold, you know, cold calls, whatever it is. Sales is not marketing. So you very well may come from this school, go back home, and you're going to find a salesperson. But from here, hopefully, you will take back a marketing strategy, all right, so that you can get on the same page with your salesperson or team or whatever. Are you with me? So don't, don't break into a cold chill that, it, that, that you're going to fail this two-day, whatever, time if you don't become a lover of knocking on doors and picking coals. I mean, we've, we've all read, uh, you know, Zig Ziglar, you know, who, who made millions selling fuller brushes door-to-door. -door. You know, some of us can't even imagine doing it. And encyclopedias and, you know, all this stuff that used to go on door-to-door. Uh, 
Zig Ziglar was a master, you know, and he, he loved it. Um, but most of us are not like that, so it's, it's hard work. Um, you're, the, another reason why farmers, why, another one of, our, one of our kind of emotional barriers is that we fear rejection because um, we're so emotionally vested in a product. Unlike a lot of things, products and services, you know, you're, you're, part of a, you're part of a team, you're part of a thing, you know, okay, so we're making, you know, uh, uh, gummy bears or whatever, okay? You, you know, it's, it's not a great big personally invested deal. But for us as farmers, we're loving those animals, loving those tomatoes, loving that T-bone steak, right? We're loving that into health production on our place or a place that we've that we've been blessed to be a part of. We wake up every morning and we see the dew on the grass. We see the sparkling of the, of the sunshine on the dew and, the, and the, the garden spiders in the fall and the, right? And, and, and we're so emotionally vested in this that, that the fact that everybody in the world is not clamoring to our door is emotionally tough, okay? It, 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 it is, and we have to recognize that, and that's why sometimes, sometimes it's important to have a collaborator salesperson and us not do the sales, because we do get, oh, you don't want my, my chicken, I, 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 I stayed up with them at night, I kept the rats away, I, you know, I played, you know, Beethoven's Fifth, you know, I, um, you know, I, I sat out in the field with a shotgun because the fox was coming for three days and then finally got the guy, you know. Um, it, we're, so, we're so emotionally vested in it that it, it's a bit of a, bit of a, it, that's real, that's real. Um, Hope you're enjoying the presentation and we'll jump right back in, but I wanted to first remind you to visit the show notes for freebies, deals, and more. While you're there, don't forget to join our email family to stay up to date on all the current events. Now back to the show. Peer dependency, okay? Uh, we farmers, you know, um, we, we don't like generally our peers to dislike us. We like to be affirmed by our peers. And, uh, and when you start direct marketing, uh, you, by, by definition, you have to differentiate yourself. You, know, you have to explain, well, here's, here's what mine is. And, uh, and, and uh, people start taking uh, umbrage with that. Um, Alan Nation used to say, um, if you have an idea and you go to your neighbor and you present your idea and your neighbor thinks it's a great idea, don't do it. But if you go to your neighbor and you have your idea, and the neighbor says, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard, that's probably your answer. Okay? And finally, the fear of sounding self-promoting. You know, we farmers, we're a pretty kind of um, self-deprecating lot, uh, aren't we? You know, I mean, have you ever gone to a party and somebody comes up, introduces themselves and says, you know, hi, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm Mitch, you know, Cavanaugh, whatever. And, and uh, I'm... I'm just a heart surgeon. I'm just a heart surgeon. 
No, no, they, they don't say, I'm just a heart surgeon. I'm a heart surgeon, right? We farmers, we, we, we can always say, I'm Joel, and I'm, I'm just a farmer. I'm just a farmer, you know. Right, it's too bad. Too bad. <laughs> but th- th- this this is our mentality, right? Because because we've been we've been marginalized, uh, blue collared, condescending to, right? Th- through the culture, right? And, and and so so when we start marketing and say, man, I got the best, you know, in in our minds, down in our soul, we, man, I feel like a huckster, right? Uh, we do, you know, um, self promoting. We're just not. The, the farmer's psyche is not set up. It's not conducive to self-promotion. We, what, we work. <laughs> we, got, we work. We put our head down. We work, right? You, you carry your water. You move your cows. You pull your weeds and your beans. You, you, you work, right? And, and, and we love it. It's not, it's not bad work. We love it. But we're not our, our vocation. Our the agricultural career path does not promote selling and we got the best and coming, you know, it doesn't promote circus theatric right self-promotion. And, and, and that's and, and that's that's a, that's an emotional hurdle that we have to think about, uh, which again is a reason why sometimes a partner is better. I just want to say yeah yeah that's great that's great yeah yeah and, and yeah healing the planet one bite at a time it's on every one of our little bags yeah yeah that's good but that's 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 part of messaging it's part of coming out of that hole uh that we've that we've kind of been put in all right um, yeah, most farmers really don't like people. Okay, and then I just put down some of these just, just to remind us that there are goals that can get in our way, I think, as we, as we head down this path. And, and, um, and, and beware of these goals. I, I call them uh, anti-goals. They, 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 they actually you know, hurt us from being able to go where we want to go. Uh, one is I want to have the highest priced product. Um, uh, Alan and I used to argue about this a little bit, you know, and, and uh, I'm not a pure capitalist, okay? Uh, I'll just say that. I'm not a, uh, I love capitalism, but I'm not a pure capitalist. And if my dad were alive today, he was an economics business, you know, dude, and, um, and, and if he were alive today, our, some of our attention would be about, he'd always say, well, price it whatever the market will bear. Well, no, I, I, I want to actually put Tyson's out of business. And, and I'm not going to do that with the highest priced product. So we price it and we figure out efficiently how to grow it with a margin that makes it work so that we can scale it, duplicate it, and, and, and that's just, you know, uh, so we can heal more land, touch more land, and that sort of thing. All right. Um, I want to be the bigger, I want to be the biggest or whatever, you know, that, that, that gets in the way. I want to franchise. Nothing wrong with franchises. Man, franchises have been very, very successful. But don't, but don't, don't, don't aspire there out, out the... You know, what we want to do is, is have a, a prototype. You know, at our farm, our, our question, every time we have an idea and we're going to launch something or do something different, our first question is never, how big can it be? It's always, how small can it be? Because if it doesn't work small, it won't work big. There's nothing about getting bigger of a, of, a, of a dysfunctional or a malfunctioning prototype. There's nothing about making it bigger that will make it better. 
we talk about that a lot with uh, interns and apprentices and things. You know, if, 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 you, think, if you think that um, that adding an educational uh, component to your place is going to solve your inefficiencies, think again. It's going to compound your inefficiencies. Okay, so um, I, I, want, uh, I want to do everything the customer wants. Yeah, you can't do everything the customer wants. You are never going to please every single person all the time. Okay, and by definition, we're going to talk a lot about finding our tribe and what is the core, what's the soul of what we're, what we're doing. And, um, and, and if, we, if we think, if, if we're so thin-skinned that we can never have a customer complaint, we're not going to be successful marketers because um, no matter what you do, you're never going to please every single person all the time. It, it, it ain't gonna, and you can't create a product that pleases every single person all the time. Um, I want to make a lot of money. That's not a, that's not a good one. And I want to sip wine on the beach in the Cayman Islands. That will get you derailed every time. So um, let's, let, let, let's jump in now to some of these cornerstones. Of, of direct marketing. The first one I would say is diversity. And um, if you don't remember anything, remember this. It's easier to find 100 people to spend $1,000 with you than 1,000 people to spend $100 with you. The, the cost of marketing is customer acquisition. Every customer costs something to acquire, okay? And once you have a customer, especially if it's a loyal customer, they want to buy more. The one-stop shop works. Why? Why does Walmart work? Well, you can get your oil changed, you get diapers, bananas, and, uh, and TV dinners all in one place. Okay? Now, we're not going to be a Walmart, but what I am suggesting is that the, the closer we can come to a one-stop shop, the better off we're going to be. Because if we can take an existing customer that's $100 a year, and we can turn them into $200 a year with another product or a value-added product or a, a, a totally uh, complimentary product. Because remember, the person that makes the sale owns the customer. The person that makes the sale owns the customer. So if you collaborate with 10 farmers in your area to present a, a pretty well-rounded cornucopia of options to your customer, and you can take that customer that was just buying beef, and that customer can now buy squash, watermelon, pumpkin pie, and, and uh, you know, radishes, okay? The, the, cost, the cost of customer acquisition was handled at the first sale. You know, Alan used to always say, you never make money on your first sale. Stompman Grass Farmer, we never make money on the first subscription. We only make money on renewals. Why? Because, because of turnover rate and because of the cost of acquiring that first customer. So, we're constantly thinking about diversifying our portfolio, owning that customer. So if all you're doing right now is grass-finished beef, think about 
either you producing or collaborating with somebody or bringing somebody into the program where you can offer chicken, pork, okay, apples, vinegar, all right? Uh, because, because the cost of customer acquisition is that high. Which brings me to the next point is that you can't do it all, okay? Nobody can do it all. So you're going to start to put together complementary people. Now, every single one of us has strengths and weaknesses. Uh, if you're familiar with the business program Strengths Finders, okay? Strengths Finders, some of us grew up with, with um, you know, grandma, grandpa, whatever, telling us, you know, you don't, you're pretty weak here. You need, to, you need to work on that, okay? Now, I'm not talking about character development like, you know, telling the truth. <laughs> uh, but I'm talking about we have different strengths and weaknesses. Some, some people tend to be more analytical. Some people tend to be more, uh, you know, uh, um, engineer type. We have introverts, extroverts, you know, messies, cleanies, um, organized, disorganized. We've got people that, that are planners um, and people that are spontaneous. And, and that's all good, all right? And in farming, almost always, we see people migrating to certain themes. You don't normally see a person who is equally passionate and good at raising both plants and animals. We tend to gravitate either toward livestock or toward plants, and in plants, we even gravitate between annuals like gardening versus perennials like orcharding. Okay, so, so it's, there's, enough, there's enough to go around here that it can occupy everybody's ambition and passion and talent, but it's also so diverse that we can't be experts in all these fields, okay? And the truth is almost no successful business works by itself. When we do the business school, Steve and I spend a fair amount of time on this element. So I'm not going to belabor this point. Just I, 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 I want us to understand that sometimes the weakness of our business is that we simply don't have a, enough on our platter to offer to be able to leverage the customer that we have. Okay, This is one of the big problems with exotics. Um, some of you are old enough to remember back several years ago when emus and ostriches were the, you know, that was a big deal. We're all going to get into, you know, and alpacas and llamas, and then it was bison. And the, the problem, the problem with all those exotics is that they are, well, everybody wants to try ostrich once, right? But are you going to eat it every Sunday afternoon? No, okay? And, and so this was the problem. Bison, you know, anything that's a bit exotic, the reason it's exotic is because it's a, it's, it's a specialty, it's a, it's a once in a while kind of thing, okay? And so, um, so complementary people. Now, this also is included in talents, all right? And so you say, well, my lens, I'm not even making a living on the farm. How am I gonna get a, you know, a salesperson? All right. That's why I've got commissions written there, okay? Commissions 
allow you to tap into somebody else's talent without getting into a wage thing. Again, we spend a lot of time on this in the business school, so I'm not going to belabor it here. Just realize that of our 20 people, not a single person is an hourly wage earner. I don't believe in it. Okay? You either do salary with clearly defined objectives, or you do, salary, or you do a hybrid salary plus bonus, or you go completely to piecework, or you go subcontractor. Okay? But this, this hourly thing is, a, is for the birds. And so, um, you know, my, my favorite story is that um, beautiful lady sitting in the back, Sherry, our daughter-in-law. See, we, we handpicked her for Daniel. You know, we, we, had a, we had a series of criteria here, and we sat down, and, 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 and what we were looking for, he said, said you know, what do we really want here? Well, we want a gal that can go square dancing on Friday night all gussied up, and Saturday morning enjoys gutting chickens. That's what we're looking for, and we got her, all right? Well, when they got married, Sherry's poking around, you know, well, what, what, you know, what, 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 can, I, what can I do? And, um, and, I mean, at the time there were, what, four or five Salatin women, and now there's another one, you know. And so, you know, you got to kind of poke around and see, you know, where you're going to find a spot at this trough. And, um, and we had just started the, um, the, the buying club idea. Uh, about a year before they got married. It was fledgling. It was totally prototype. It was very, very small. And um, she said, yeah, I think I'd like to uh, take that over. Well, the problem was, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know if she could sell. You know, for all we knew, she just wanted to, I mean, get... Square dancing that chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, wanted to just, um, you know, eat chocolate bonbons and get paid by the hour to, you know, knit and so um and so we said well how about we how about we put you on commission and uh to her credit her self-confidence yeah yeah i'll go on commission and so no guaranteed pay are you with me no nothing in other words if she doesn't sell doesn't cost anything and that was because we can't take the risk of, of hiring somebody on a prototype of fledgling deal and guarantee some sort of a $10,000, you know, maybe it's going to be a part-time deal, you know, maybe, but still, how do you know if it's going to work, you know, and, 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 and then you got tension, and then, of course, if she turned out to be a dud, you know, then you got to fire your daughter-in-law, and that doesn't help the family situation very much. And so, so we started down, and within 10 years, she ran this up to almost a million dollars in annual sales, and she's going to talk to you about it this afternoon. But, but what I'm getting at is that was a partnership that allowed us to tap into somebody else's talent without the risk of a paycheck. So the only way, the only way that, um, that it was going to cost us anything was it was going to make sales go way up. Well, that's not a cost. That's a benefit. All right. So as long as you have your, as long as you know your margins, and as long as you have this this cost of commissions plugged in to your price, you can have as many partners out here as you want. So we have several people who sell, and they're all on commission. That you know, worldwide, salespeople are always on commission, pretty much. Right? Why? Because. Um, that, that's an easy way to measure performance.
I hope you enjoyed this presentation. Well, check out the episode notes. And always remember the advice from cows and be outstanding in your field. See you next time.